Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we are sitting in the same studio, Andy. I don't believe it. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, we've been doing this show remote up to now, but finally, 20 episodes in, and we are in the same place. It's wild. But uh, to get to what we're talking about, first, we are going to cover uh, the big movie of the week, of of the summer, arguably, of, of the year, or as some people are saying, of all time, Avengers Infinity War. We're also going to talk about an oldie but a goodie, last year's Academy Award nominated The Big Sick. We also want to have a conversation about summer movies and just kind of what's coming out this year. But before we get to all that, we need to cover the news and our first story in honor of a movie that is coming out very soon. Solo, a Star Wars story. Alden Ehrenreich, is that you say? That's right. Uh, will return as Han Solo after Solo. In an interview with Esquire, he confirmed that he has signed up for more movies. Andy, do you know how many movies? At least two more. Oh, wow. But that doesn't necessarily mean two more solo movies. He might just, you know, cameo. That's this the thing with these multi-picture deals. They're just contracted to show up. They they don't ha- doesn't necessarily have to be a feature. Um, who, Rage One, Rogue One, God, I can't remember her name. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the star of that. Yes, think about it while I'm <laughs> talking. Oh no, talking how do we both not know this? Um. Anyways, yeah, she's contracted for three movies, but no more films have been announced. Um. So, uh, Felicity Felicity, Felicity Jones. Jones. That's yes. That's no more films have been announced, but she signed a multi-picture deal, so she'll probably you know walk into a cameo. I mean, she might so- show up in Solo or something like something like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean it's two more feature films. It just means he's gonna show up some more. I like that he says in this interview, or the the reporter says at least is when he asks him how many he was signed up for. Alden says three and then flinches, knowing that he might have just said something he shouldn't have said. And he kind of doubles back. Like, I don't know if that's officially public, but yeah, three. Um, Personally, and this is going to sound a little counterintuitive to what I said before, I'm kind of excited. I got to be honest. I hadn't seen the new solo trailer before Avengers. And sitting in the theater, watching the trailer, got a little hyped. A little bit. That that needle moved (laughs) a little bit. Yeah. In in the past, I've seen the solo trailers like yawn. That looks dumb. But no, it actually looks kind of cool. I think Alden Ehrenreich's biggest strength in this movie is a lot of people haven't seen him yet. He's kind of new to a lot of audiences. So I think people will see him and maybe kind of glom onto his new uh, approach to the character. At least I hope. They're, They're not too reliant on what came before in Ford's portrayal. Um, how do you, what do you, what do you think? I mean, I'm excited about Solo. I, I think at this point we've almost had too much like Jedi stuff. So it'll be cool to see a film in the Star Wars universe that's not about that. And so we, you know, the colorful cast of characters you have, um, oh God, I, I'm bad with names today from Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark. Yeah. Um, Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, Tandy Newton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woody Lando, Harrelson, Lando Calrissian, Donald Glover, Woody We're Harrelson. Here. Yeah, <laughs> it's been in the same studio. That's what it is. So it's a huge cast uh, and cool characters. I mean, it looks fun to me. And I know, I think what uh, Disney is trying to do with Star Wars is actually kind of get people to calm down a little bit about it and just it be a brand the same way Marvel is a brand. When you just hear a Marvel movie, you know a lot of what to expect, and yeah. that's what they want. They they want people to kind of. Not take it quite so seriously and just enjoy, oh, this is a new big Star Wars film that's coming out. Well, I'll be honest. Yeah, maybe it's just the way the trailer was cut, but like I'm I'm a little excited. I like it. I like the fresh blood. I, I've heard people say from like test screenings and footage they've seen from Comic-Con, like Donald Glover apparently kills it as Lando. I like the idea of the new characters kind of coming in. I like that there's a little bit of charm from like Chewie and the Millennium Falcon and things we still know and love being in the movie, but also like this fresh coat of paint from new actors. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's got potential. If it does okay, I'd like to see maybe another solo movie. Like, I don't know. Um, Duo, I guess, would be the sequel to that. But um, for what it's worth, I'm relatively excited and i like that the new trailer says may 25th and not memorial day because that, oh yeah that's what we that were talking was about terrible that. before i didn't know who approved that but that was awful uh the next anything else you want to say on this one no go ahead the next story we have <laughs> i i don't want to butcher this i'm just going to read the headline as it comes australian movie theater plays hereditary trailer before peter rabbit families panic and flee the cinema yes <laughs> a horror movie trailer in front of a pg rated children's film andy found this story do you have any details on it so 
this theater was playing Peter Rabbit, which is a family-friendly film aimed at younger audiences. Mm -hmm. And somehow, in a very Fight Club-esque way, uh, (laughs) someone accidentally put the trailer for the horror movie Hereditary in front of it. Yes. And if you haven't seen the trailer, it's really pretty terrifying. Yeah, we watched it uh, after this story came out. I I went and watched it. It is... is Got some imagery. It really does. That that trailer doesn't pull many punches. There's a person on fire. There's bugs. There's a little body horror in there. I was I was surprised. The trailer comes correct. I mean, the the, the trailer does what it is supposed to do. It really scares you. It, it creeps you out as yeah. an adult. And mm-hmm. so you know to play this in front of a children's movie with, you know, kids three, five, seven, what, whatever. I mean, I can only imagine the hysteria because they probably started screaming at some point. <laughs> So you have a theater full of screaming children and mothers attempting to <laughs> to just pull their kids out yeah. and, you know, run for safety. I'm going to hit this show with the same hot take I had before. What if this is staged? <laughs> what if? False flag? What yeah. if, yeah, A24 and Sony had a sweet deal and they were like, how about this? Like the best viral marketing you can buy. Uh we run the trailer in front of a children's film and it makes international headlines. It's happened in Australia. We're talking about it here in America. That's something. You don't get that kind of buzz for a horror movie normally. I mean, and I didn't know a whole lot about this movie, Hereditary. We had talked about it before in the show, but it had kind of slipped under my radar from there. And then this story comes out and suddenly it's front page news again. So probably not. That's probably sensationalist of me. I'm being a corporate chill. But for what it's worth, um, I'm definitely excited about Hereditary. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it. While it is comical for us, at the same time, you got to imagine as a child, it probably was absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah. As a kid, everything is bigger and scarier and more terrifying Uh than it is the older you are. So, I mean, those kids were probably really scared and crying. Right. I yeah, I shouldn't I I shouldn't joke and jab that that is genuine. Like watching the trailer, I mean, even even myself, just thinking of kids watching, like, oh my god, this is <laughs> this is a little much. Um, so I'm excited to see Hereditary, though. Uh, that that might have officially cemented itself on the off script watch list. But our last story before we segue into Avengers, and this is a perfect one to get there. Um, not to preface our conversation or or, or how we felt about the movie, uh, Avengers: Infinity War scores the biggest opening weekend of all time. <laughs> Andy, uh, any what were these numbers like? Okay, so it came in at 250 million for the weekend, uh, which is ahead, which is about two million ahead of The Force Awakens, which had held it previously, and Avatar, uh, kind of before that. Mm -hmm. So it's a big milestone, and you know it could go on to be the first billion dollar movie. We haven't officially had that in in the U.S. yet, Um, and it could be the you know most profitable movie of all time. I think it's incredible that. Star Wars The Force Awakens set that bar with only six movies in front of it and a TV series and some books and some action figures, but six films in front of it. It took Marvel 18, but clearing that bar is an impressive feat regardless of what came before. That is an incredible opening weekend. The most, the biggest so far, it bugs me a little bit when people say biggest opening of all time because it's like, well, all time, just the time before now. Yeah, I mean, because The Force Awakens set that just three years ago. Exactly. Um, But it is wild. Because I I remember Force Awakens, I I, I distinctly remember telling people that will be the biggest opening of all time, I think. It's the next Star Wars in years. Like, of course it's going to be huge. What's going to beat that? And Marvel managed to do it, which is wild because it's also kind of Disney. (laughs) So um, kudos, I guess, a tip of the hat. Well, yeah, and they've also they managed to do it with ten years worth of property, whereas Star Wars has forty years worth of property and film, TV, Disney World, all that stuff. Yeah, it it is incredible the universe that that Marvel has managed to put together, and and many have tried, but nobody has had the smashing success Marvel has. Many have tried to copy the formula, to duplicate it, maybe tweak it a little bit. Nobody's <laughs> done it as well as Marvel has. Every step of the way, they've been ahead of the game. They they are writing the book here, and they're succeeding um, like crazy, I guess. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Anyway, we should probably talk about the film. Andy, you have agreed to take the summary. Um, take it away. All right, so our first film is uh, Marvel's Avengers, what's the whole title? Avengers Infinity War. (laughs) 
there we it. go. Yep. Uh, and so this is the culmination of 18 films of 10 years of of movies and plot development, post credit scenes, everything finally culminating. <laughs> Uh, in this movie, and uh, okay, so the basic synopsis is there's a big bad guy named Thanos, mm-hmm. and he's trying to collect these things called the Infinity Stones, which have been kind of seen and hinted at in previous Marvel films. Each stone is very powerful, and he's trying to acquire all of them. If he acquires all of them, he plans to kind of wipe out half uh, all, half of all life in the universe because of balance, uh, whatever that means. <laughs> Um, Balance, but sure. it's kind of you know there's, he is worried about overpopulation, mm-hmm. and this this is his uh, solution. He takes on this burden, uh, so that's the setup. Zach, what do you think? I surprisingly really enjoyed it. I I and I say surprisingly <laughs> because I didn't think I would. I'll be honest. I I, I my hype train for Marvel man it is covered in rust and it's got squeaky <laughs> wheels and it barely works and that thing it's it's pitiful yeah it is the most miserable hype train it's the 19th movie as we were driving to the theater i was telling christine i was like i i it is the 19th film in the marvel franchise you're exactly right all the post credit scenes all the forgettable villains like all of that has culminated to this how good could it be how how could they possibly jungle juggle 40 characters or something insane against another villain and it still be interesting and fun. And somehow, despite my cynicism, Marvel has managed to do it. And I'm interested to see how we talk about that without being spoilery because it's not <laughs> a spoiler show. Uh, Andy, what did you think? Okay, so I thought it was okay. I was honestly a little underwhelmed, a little disappointed mm-hmm. in it. Um it is cool to see, you know, all these different characters all on screen. Uh, but to me, it really kind of suffers from a, a lack of kind of developing narrative, developing story. The entire thing feels like a third act. Like the whole movie feels like a giant third act. And I right. feel like you just jump from action sequence to action sequence to fight scene to fight scene. And you don't, again, you don't you don't have any kind of plot development. They're just like, we got to stop Thanos. That's kind of it. And... So for something that's been building for 10 years and telling really pretty interesting stories across all their movies, I was a, a little let down. And I think I just expected it to be have a little more epic narrative, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, there's this weird sense at the beginning. I did feel this way, I'll be honest, for the, for the first good chunk of it, probably for all of it. Who am I kidding? But um, it reminds me of like, back in the day seeing like looney tunes characters cross over into other looney tunes properties like seeing bugs bunny show up in like the coyote and roadrunner cartoon uh and then the movie comes out like looney tunes or space jam or something and it's like now they're finally all together but you don't really get enough time with each one for it to feel like any kind of really central experience for any of the characters and you're just kind of jumping from one to the other and the characters feel a little jilted together and it's like oh we're on this big mission to do this thing like it felt a little forced and it was difficult for me to suspend my disbelief through a good chunk of the movie but i did finally get there at some point i became enamored with the performances and cgi and and music and like i i did eventually like suspend my disbelief and kind of fall into it but at first it was tough it, it was very much like i don't know the way they've they've hyped this movie seeing all like the entertainment weekly photo shoots with the whole cast and different members of of of, of the of the superheroes show up on different talk shows like it was tough for me at the beginning to kind of fall into it. Like, okay, this is this is believable, and I, 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 I'm falling for everything that's happened. But, I mean, I managed to get there. I'm wondering if the way you feel is maybe a little bit of overhype. Maybe maybe you went too it, far. It, it definitely could be that. I, I mean, I did try to, well, somewhat restrain my hype. Um, but it, that's, that is one of the things I was thinking of, is it could be a victim of what I call the hype viewing, which is your first viewing of something that you're really excited about. Mm-hmm. A lot of times... Uh, it's hard, it's hard to really know how you feel about it because, you know, you're anxious, you don't know what to expect. So I think actually on a second viewing, I think I might actually like it more now that I know kind of where it goes. Yeah. Um, but I still feel it's it still does have some of those pro- same problems. Like you said, there's there are so many characters in it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's literally about 40, between the villains and the heroes, there's about 40 comic book characters. 
Um, and so you kind of have to jump between them a lot. And you do get some some cool teams. Like you get um, Thor with the Guardians of the Galaxy. You get uh, Iron Man uh, together with Doctor Strange. And those are two like very strong personalities. So you get some good dialogue and kind of back and forth between them. Um, but no one really gets developed. And, and we don't need like tons of backstory because we've had all the movies. But n- everyone stays the same from beginning to end. Right. The, the only character that, and this is one of the big positive uh, film, is Thanos is, is developed a, a lot. He's a really good convincing villain. They spend a lot of time developing him and his motives. Yeah. Um, to kind of talk about the movie and dig into it a little bit without, again, no spoilers. That's what we're going for anyway. So without getting too far um, into the weeds, I think one of the things I really enjoyed about the movie at first, I kind of didn't like, but I started to come around on is the jumbling of the teams. You don't get the same old, same old. It's not like here's the old Avengers. Here's uh, black Panther and Dr. Strange and Spider-Man, some of the new people. And here's the guardians of the galaxy. Everybody crisscrosses. And I liked that. It, it, you start to jumble people up. Like the guardians of the galaxy get split up. And the Avengers go one way, and, and Captain America's over here, and Tony Stark's over here, and Spider-Man's with this group, and Doctor Strange's with this group. Like I liked that. That 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 helped it feel candid and fresh because we were seeing these characters we know come together in combinations we don't know and developing chemistry that way. And I liked that. I also liked that they put a lot of emphasis on Thanos or Thanos being this kind of unique multifaceted villain, despite the fact that we've seen him in multiple iterations and multiple post-credit scenes, we've heard him talked about in the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, in, in, a, in a fatherly figure kind of role to Gamora, um, they actually gave him some depth. So you, you had a reason to feel like, okay, this is a character I don't, I don't really care about per se, but he's interesting and I wanna know more. I wanna understand his motivations. And that was important. That helps you care. That helps you get invested in the story. It helps kind of bring you into the experience, um, understanding where Thanos is coming from and presenting him as a potential, um, not an answer, but a counter argument, similar to what happened in Black Panther with, with Michael B. Jordan's character in a way that you're like, you watch it and you think, okay, well, maybe maybe he's not so wrong. Yeah, like maybe there's a little something to that. They, they, <laughs> yeah. say, they, they pulled the same trick in Captain America Civil War where the other side is arguably right um it's effective and it works and it changes the narrative it changes the particular or usual formula of a marvel movie and i i appreciated that what 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 do you think um no i i agree with you like i said i I think he was a well well well-developed villain good motivations you spend a lot a lot of time with him and um, you do yeah surprising amount of time with him so it's definitely one of the positive of the movie which i want to kind of talk about a couple more things i did like yeah um as, as always, like the action, the fight scenes, the, the effects were, were really good, spectacular. It's the general, you know, you get really good um, action sequences in Marvel films. The other thing I really liked was the the humor. As Marvel is known to be, it was funny. I laughed quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And, the you know, the joke the jokes are really good. Some of them fell flat, but for the most part, the humor worked. Um, and I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, it's got a really... Um I guess like childlike wonder is the best way to describe it. A little bit of nostalgia in there, per usual. Um, Peter Quill from, Gar- from Guardians of the Galaxy, Star-Lord, Chris Pratt's character, I think probably had the best zingers. Uh, Tony Stark had some good ones. A little Spider-Man humor in there, whereas characters like Captain America and Black Panther played a little bit more straight. They got a couple jabs, but it's a good injection of, of humor into action, as Marvel does. I think they were... I think they were doing a good job there. Uh, something else I want to talk about was the way, when we talk about the fight scenes at least, the way a lot of the characters were presented as fighting, it didn't feel like they pulled a whole lot of punches. It felt like almost like the the ending of the first Avengers movie. Like You start to feel the weight of each one of these characters and how they fight. Star-Lord has a bunch of like cool gadgets, right? And... Uh, I was going to say Rocket Raccoon, but um, Winter Soldier's got like you know, he's, he's got this cool thing and like, he's got an awesome gun and, and I don't know, his cool assault rifle and like Captain America has got all these like wacky kind of things and approaches and new tech and then Spider-Man's got these slick tricks. Like everybody felt like they were presented in a good light when they, at least when they were in their fight scenes. I think Doctor Strange actually had some really cool stuff too, even though yeah. surprisingly underutilized, but I don't want to get too far into the weeds on that. I mean, we'll talk about that after the show when people aren't listening, I guess, but anyway. 
I think one thing that I really wanted to see, and we'll probably see this in the second one, and that's that's the other thing is I'm I'm looking forward to the conclusion of this saga more than I I think I enjoyed part one. Mm-hmm. Um, a big thing is con- in comic books themselves are, is when you see all sixty odd heroes all together at once, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of thing I, I really want to see, and I think we'll get more of that in the probably in the second film. Yeah, you don't get a whole lot of that here. Uh, you don't get much of that at all, honestly, seeing all of the characters together. They they, they split them up. And it's it's weird. I, I've heard it described as a like just a bunch of B plots of a movie just thrown together to make one kind of concentric main plot. And it's kind of that way. Um it feels a little disjointed, but they I feel like they spent enough time on each group in each setting to make it feel pretty pretty strung together. There were a couple moments where I'd cut to like a different group doing something and I'd be like, okay, I, f- I kind of forgot about them. But for the most part, it all, it all comes together pretty well. Yeah, I think. That, that was one of my uh, other criticisms is because it jumps around so much, I really kind of lost what was happening a number of times or like what yeah. each team was doing. Um, it was just kind of difficult to follow. And this goes back to to what we said in the news when with this big open and you know, it could be the biggest movie of all time. Avatar was that for a while, but then it kind of, as we've said before, it left no cultural impact. And I think this one will, but it's also, I, I think it will have that Avatar problem of it makes a ton of money and then it's kind of goes by the wayside. Right. Uh, because the, of the lack of kind of coherent plot. Sure. And something this does share with Avatar that I think is important to talk about is the runtime. This is a very long movie. Two hours and 40 minutes. Uh, like any Marvel film, you're going to want to hang out through the credits because it's a post-credit sequence. Uh, I hope nobody considers that a spoiler. I don't. Um, post-credits aren't spoilers, right? No. No. Come on. It's a Marvel movie. Like, that's... If we got to the end of this movie, no lie, like, a third of the theater got up and left. And I was like, what are you doing? Seriously? What are you doing? This is the 19th one. You know there's something at the end. There's always something at the end. Like, of course there's a post credit scene. But with that, sitting through the credits and trailers in front of it. You're looking at three hours. You're yeah, sitting at least. Yeah, that is a beating. And there's a lot of characters and a lot you got to jumble for three hours. Um, that's rough. And for the most part, it kept me hooked. I never actually checked my watch. I thought about it, but I realized if I did, I'd have to say tell people I did on the show, so I didn't want to. Does it count if you think about it? Yeah, I think it does, honestly. <laughs> yeah, if you think about it and think, no, I shouldn't, because I don't want to talk about that on the podcast. Yeah, I'd say that counts. Um but yeah, it's a long time, um, and that that might hurt the movie. Honestly, I, th- I think a lot of people really enjoyed how epic it felt. Personally, it could have been a little shorter, right? I mean, what yeah. do you think? And gen- yeah, it generally always can. Runtimes. I don't know what this is about blockbusters. They always feel like they got to give you two hours and forty minutes, two hours and thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, for big summer movies, and you really don't. You can, I mean, Dunkirk less than two hours. Yeah. And it, that was, you know, one of the big movie, biggest movies of last summer. I'm hard-pressed to think of any comic book movies that need almost three hours. Like, really. The only ones I, I would think I would really enjoy, maybe, are something like this, which I enjoyed, and, like, the Christopher Nolan movies. But even then, and those those clock in pretty long, right? Yeah. I think Dark Knight Rises is the longest. Um, yeah. Even, it's a little too long, too. Yeah, exactly. I would say, even then, I think those movies are a little long. Like, you kind of just don't, you don't need it, and I get why they do it. But it's almost unnecessary, and I wonder what like an, an early cut of this looked like. Um, just to review things like the CGI, pretty great. I, I, no real complaints. The music, pretty great. No real complaints. The performances, enjoyed. I don't think there was anybody that I thought was particularly terrible. Um, there, like with forty heroes, there's a couple that get kind of underutilized. To be fair, a couple that just aren't even in it, which was wild. Uh, and they had a couple bylines to explain why they weren't in it that I kind of missed. I was like, okay, whatever that was. I guess they're just not in this movie. Um, and a couple, a couple interesting kind of twists. Um, which again, we can't get too into spoilers on, but. It was just funny because we got to the end of this movie and Christine and I were driving back and she was going over what Marvel movies they've confirmed following this one and how this movie might affect those movies. And it's weird because on the scale this one's on, you think of something like the next movie I think they're slated to make is like Ant-Man 2. Who cares? (laughs) Who cares? After seeing this, like, I couldn't care less about Ant-Man 2. 
And then there's, well, you know, they've confirmed Black Panther 2 and Spider-Man and, you know, how, how, how will the events in this movie affect those movies? It's unclear. Um, and I think that's part of the charm of this is, is it leaves parts of the Marvel Universe kind of in, in question. See, for me, that that kind of becomes problematic because you, because you know there's a second film, you know, there's mm-hmm. Infinity War 2 right. next year. And as you said, all these other sequels, um, there's kind of a lack of permanence and a lack of consequences is what I feel yeah. from this. Like I know things can't and can't be, there's a lack of finality right? because you know, some other things are coming. So that's, uh, you know, that that's a little upsetting because at the same time and Marvel's been kind of criticized for this before that a lot of their movies are just trailers for another movie. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I do feel about <laughs> infinity war. It's a, it's a two and a half hour trailer for infinity war two. Yeah. Which is weird because it doesn't like, I don't know. I it, they don't really get in the weeds on Infinity War two, like really at all. I don't think. I don't think at this at any point in this movie it's mentioned that this is a part one. I don't think they. I don't think formally they've announced Infinity War two. We know because we're adults, but like kids, nine year olds, like they may not know. You know, they they, yeah. they might get to the end of this movie and be like, oh my god, <laughs> things are things have changed. Like for these heroes that I know and love, um, and that's a little disillusioning. It's true. I mean, we were talking about it earlier with. Thor, at the end of Thor Ragnarok, Thor loses an eye. Um, and in this movie, he's got the eye patch from the end of Thor Ragnarok. And I had been talking about with you just before we started recording this, I should have just saved it for the show, about how in Evil Dead 2, uh, Sam Raimi had Ash, Bruce Campbell, lose a hand and they put a chainsaw on. And then in Army of Darkness, the sequel, they wrote this cheesy thing about this fake metal hand because honestly, the prop department was sick of having to outfit the character with a chainsaw for a hand for every scene. And I thought the same thing about this movie. I was like, well, how long are they going to go before they, they work out some kind of solution for the Thor eye patch? Because CGIing an eye patch on doesn't work. And sure enough, in this movie, they come up with a solution for that. It's up to you to figure out what that is. Go see it. But um, it's disillusioning. Yeah, it's it, like as adults, we understand we can kind of see through it and, and kind of know that a lot of this isn't legit. A lot of this isn't permanent. We don't really know where things are headed, but we know things will work out for our fearless heroes. Um, and that is kind of a bummer. It does take away from the experience. That lack of consequence does hurt, especially after this many movies. You know that, like, our, like you have to you have to wonder if things are really going to change. You know, how much of this yeah. is actually going to matter. Yeah, and it, like I said, it, it makes it not really stand on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some very strange reason, there's been a lot of comparisons to The Last Jedi. I've seen this across <laughs> multiple platforms and multiple yeah. threads. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to get in, into that too much right now, but one of the things that I like about The Last Jedi is that it really stands on its own. Like, it is very finite. Like, I have no idea what's coming in the next movie because of kind of how much it stands on its own. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't get that in Infinity War. Like, I, f- I feel like it's a big trailer for the next movie. It is. You're right. And that's, I guess, I guess to its detriment, right? I mean, at the end, you, you kind of make it to the end and it's, okay, well, how long do I have to wait till I can see the next one? Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of all set up for a big punchline, which is weird because this movie still does feel like, the climax of something it just feels like the first half of the climax of something and you kind of just want to get to the end and get to the next one um and i guess that's disappointing um but for what it's worth i think i still enjoyed it it's weird um coming up on the second screening like you talked about because I, I i've done that with two movies i've done it with a couple movies but the two i can think of mad max fury road saw it once it's like mm, didn't really hit the hype bar like it's fine and then saw it again was like wow that was awesome Rogue One saw it the first time. I was like, I didn't really like it. Saw the second time. I was like, liked it less. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know where you're going to land on this. Um, but whenever you do see it again, we should talk about it. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I'd like to follow up and maybe get into spoilers then. I definitely tend to to get a better viewing or a better experience after the second time. Yeah. You know, because there's lots of things that I haven't liked the first time that I, you know, kind of saw it for what it was the second mm-hmm. time. So it, it definitely can, you know, really affect it. We've talked about doing spoilers in some form or fashion on the show, whether it be an after show or like a separate podcast or, or something we can do for it. And we've never really figured out a good way. But if you'd like to hear what we have to say about Avengers Infinity War, maybe have an idea, email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com and get involved with the show. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you thought of Infinity War. If you have any controversial opinions, hot takes, we're big on those. And uh, whether or not Avengers Infinity War is bold cinema. Before we get to that, Andy, would you recommend Avengers Infinity War? Okay, so this I have kind of a complicated answer oh, for no. this. Oh, no. 
Okay, if you're a, f- a big fan of of the series of comic book movies, you've seen everything. Definitely go and see it. If you're even a casual, you know, watcher of comic book films, go see it. If you're burned out on the comic book <laughs> genre, if you feel like they're the bane of the existence of of film, um, you might skip it. Yeah. If I was looking to get someone interested in comic book films, this is not where I would start. Mm-hmm. Not not just because you have to watch 18 films before it but it's just because it's it to me it just wasn't that engaging you know there's other things like logan or the dark knight or black panther that i would or civil war that i would much rather steer someone towards yeah uh personally yeah i would recommend it as somebody who is burnt out on comic book movies i'm gonna put some big emphasis on andy's might want to skip it might it's up to you personally i yeah i was kind of over them if it hadn't been for this podcast, I probably wouldn't have gone and seen it. I'm glad I did. I think it was worth my time. To the people on Twitter who are saying this movie is like life changing, I, I dial on. it, dial it back. Yeah, who, who do you think you are? Yeah, like it's not. Come on. Yeah, this did not change your life. Um, but it's fresh and it, it does something different. It, it, it does what I've wanted Marvel movies to do for a while. It takes a risk. Like Andy said, it's kind of an artificial risk, but it's a risk. It's something like they, they try to do something a little different and I respect it. Um, and I think it paid off. Uh, if, it, if, it, if it's any kind of indication of their weekend box office, it did. We'll have to see how the next one does to really see if it actually worked. But for what it's worth, um, yeah, thumbs up. Worth the price of admission, I think. And yeah. that's Infinity War. Any other thoughts? Well, I was going to say, you realize we only have, like, I think two or three Marvel films between now and the next uh, Infinity War. Which is crazy. Yeah, and those movies are Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yep. Black Panther 2. And Deadpool. And Deadpool. Well, no, I don't think that uh, Black Panther 2 is next year. No? Um, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel and Deadpool. Right. I keep forgetting about Captain Marvel. That's one that keeps coming up over the horizon. I'll see an article somewhere. I'm like, oh, yeah, Captain Marvel's happening. Right. Silly me. Also, um, Deadpool 2, any thoughts? After this? It, it's, I'm going to talk about of, it. I'm yeah. going to talk about it in our summer movie preview. Okay, right. Well, we should get to that. Yeah, excuse <laughs> me. Uh, so, yeah, kick off kind of a different thing here. It's not the trailer park. It's not death of cinema. It's kind of the life of cinema, I guess. But you came up with this segment. You want to... You Take a kick it off, please. Okay, so we're going to be doing a summer movie preview. And we're going to be looking at, um, you know, what's coming out uh, between now and uh, July. Um, Infinity War has obviously kicked off uh, officially the summer movie season, so we're mm-hmm. going to be looking at everything that's coming out and what we're excited for and what we're not. We've split this into three months, May, June, and July, and we split it, I would say evenly, but it's totally not. Andy's taking May, I'm taking June, you're taking July. I wrote like a novel to get ready for this whole bit, and I'm not can try not to read any of that, but I, I kind <laughs> of prepared a little bit. I'm not sure how you came. Hopefully it's correct. Um, but yeah, you're going to cover May. What do you got, Andy? Hit me with it. Okay, so first of all, since Infinity War was pushed back a week, or actually moved forward a week uh, yes. upon release, um, we actually have a little bit of a dead zone here at the beginning of May, which is a, a little uh, strange because that usually doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so the next kind of big release uh, for May is Deadpool 2. comes out on May 18th. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. saw the new trailer uh, in front of uh, Infinity War, and it looks like it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm in a weird spot with Deadpool 2 because I've gone back and watched Deadpool 1 two or three times now. I'm going to do it again before 2, but every time, like, I just kind of don't laugh. I don't know why. <laughs> it's something I should. Like, there's something about, I, I don't know. I just I feel like I don't get the joke or maybe I expect something different. But I've seen the trailers for Deadpool 2. It looks pretty good, honestly. I, I'm I'm hoping the rumors aren't true and it's pretty good because um, I've heard some controversy with the director changing or whatever. But um, for what it's worth, it looks pretty funny. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah, I laughed in the trailer. There's a lot of great action, and it's a very different kind of comic book film. Also starring Josh Brolin as the villain. Yeah, who's ha- who's yeah he's he's having a great great year. Oh yeah, we'll talk about him uh, in June. But anyway, um, okay. So after Deadpool, uh, following week, the big release is Solo, a Star Wars story. Solo, a Star Wars story, May 25th, because the new trailer actually says, and it's not Memorial Day. It's May 25th. Yeah, so uh, we talked about this before, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. Really want to see it. Um, you know, could launch a new 
trilogy or something and uh, yeah it's refreshing to see new new characters and that's what i'm excited about with star wars overall overall in fact i kind of want to get through episode nine like i just want to be done with like the original trilogy saga like i feel like people just obsess about it fed like fetishize it it's just like you need to calm down and just enjoy like I said, there was there were people complaining about the Last Jedi in threads about Infinity War. And I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, what are you even still upset Passionate about? Passionate fans, man. Passionate fans. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm ready to move past uh, episode one through nine and get on to new stuff. And we know there's some new trilogies coming. And you know, Solo lo- looks great, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it's a shame looking at Alden Ehrenreich. Like honestly, I, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't judge his performance. But like, I almost wish he and Donald Glover were new characters in a new new Star Wars series and not the same old. I know there are different interpretation of it, but like, I, I'd almost rather they ring in like a new saga instead of just kind of doing the old thing again. So yeah, I think I'm the same way. I'm excited to get through episode nine, ready to move on to something else. Solo looks like a strong step towards that direction. Just hope Disney takes the plunge sooner rather than later. For sure. What's next? Uh, let's move on to June. Oh, is that it? Oh, wow. Okay, I man, it, it's it's the, well. You're right. Slim. Like, hey, Infinity War. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, it's 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 slim. I can understand that. Well, for June, I got a lot of stuff. Honestly, so I'm trying to move through it quick. The first week of June, we've got a movie that I'm probably going to skip unless we watch it for this show. But I wanted to mention it. Action Point. Right. The new Johnny Knoxville vehicle. What's interesting about this, besides the fact that it's real stunts and it's based on the New Jersey. Uh, amusement park action park which had a bunch of issues um this is not a jackass film this is not a dick house production this is not the guys who made bad grandpa it's not jeff tremaine who's made all these movies it is a different director a guy named tim kirkby who's done a couple episodes of veep in brooklyn 99 and it is an mtv film um but other than knoxville and chris pontius and the real stunts like that is the only relation it has it's like a knockoff jackass film yeah it's weird and i didn't know that and and so i doesn't really change my interpretation of it um knoxville looks terrible i know he's been beating the hell out of his whole life but yeah yeah i don't know you have any inkling to want to go see that you know not really no. but here's the funny thing about it is so he he plays characters with lots of old makeup a lot of times yeah and then it's funny because he's slowly looking more and more like that makeup as he gets older he's slowly getting towards like eventually he won't have to put on the grandpa makeup he's just gonna look like that yeah he's just gonna be that guy it's weird because yeah when he takes off the makeup and the flashback stuff that it looks like the bulk of action park or action point takes place in he looks terrible it's yeah, like, it's oh like, god oh, i hope that's makeup man yeah you've been <laughs> time hasn't been time no- to you. No- knoxville's got some city miles on him yeah it's true the next movie the next week um or actually it's that same week i apologize american animals we talked about this in the trailer park, I think, last week. Yeah. Starring Evan Peters and Barry Keoghan? Keoghan? Keon. Keon. Um, that's going to be like Cersei Ronan. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get that wrong forever. He's also Irish. Yes. Uh, I'm interested in this movie for a couple reasons. One, because the trailer looks really slick. Two, because it's a heist movie, and I love those. And three, because it's being distributed by Movie Pass Ventures, which is fascinating. I, I This oh, will gosh. be the first Movie Pass film. I don't know what that means, but I'm interested to see what happens with it. Yeah, so, they're yeah. up against the ropes. They're constant. Movie passes keep keeps changing their rules. I and, know, and who knows if they're going to make it through the summer. We'll probably have them back in news next week. Uh, the second week in June has some big stuff. First, Ocean's Eight, the gender swapped uh, sequel, kind of revival reboot to um, Steven Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen, starring Sandra Bullock. Um, I'm 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 optimistic about this. Normally, I'm a little skeptical of like gender swapped movies. It kind of feels just like a cash grab by studios. Um, this one actually looks really smart, though. It's not Steven Soderbergh. It's a new director, a guy named Gary something, Gary Ross, Ross who yeah. did The Hunger Games previously. Um, so yeah, I think it looks okay. What do you think? Yeah, it's a good cast. I'm I'm excited about it. I want I definitely want to go see it. I also got in that second week. Won't you be? Um, won't you be my neighbor? The Fred Rogers documentary centered around Mister Rogers' neighborhood. Um, looks endearing for what it's worth. I mean, you saw the trailer. Yeah, I mean, people were. Uh, it played at something that I went to. People were in tears. Yeah, from the trailer. Yeah. It, it looks really cool. It kind of digs into that nostalgia that people know and love. We've also got uh, June, in June 8th, on June 8th, Hereditary, which is a trailer we just talked about. Looks spooky. We're probably going to watch it for this show, right? Yeah, definitely. The other thing that comes out that week is Hotel Artemis, which is a new, little, I guess it's an indie flick with kind of a star-studded cast. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, 
Jodie Foster, Charlie Day, Dave Batista, Sterling K. Brown. I think it looks kind of cool. It looks original, and I can get behind that. Third week of June. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nothing to say. Third week of June, we got Disney Pixar's The Incredibles 2, a movie I'm a little shocked actually got made. Brad Bird made the first one. Brad Bird of The Iron Giant. And if it's funny, if you watch the behind-the-scenes Incredibles 2, man, he ran into producer problems a lot. There, there, there would be an issue where he'd say, "I want to do this big, big bombastic scene." His producer would just hold up like a paper sign with a do- like a paper with a dollar sign on it. Like <laughs> we don't have the money for that, Brad. Like stop. I, I, I know Disney Pixar is kind of in a rut. I know they made Inside Out, which was great, but other than that, they haven't had a whole lot going on. So I hope this is a hit for them. I'm optimistic about it. Uh, what do you, what do you think? Um, yeah. Well, first of all, I'll say that Coco was was a hit. Oh, good point. Um, God, which I did not. <laughs> but what, they, you saw that. I didn't see it. But last summer, early, early last summer, their big release was, I think it was Cars 3, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, yeah, most people said what wasn't Came really. Went, yeah. yeah. Um, the Incredibles is my favorite Pixar movie of all time. It's a good one. Like, yeah, I really like it. I think it's it's done well, and it stood the test of time. So I'm definitely super excited about this. Incredibles does this great job of crafting this little, like, unique universe where it's, like, not really the 50s. It's kind of modern, but in a weird science fiction way. I don't know. Got great music. The Incredibles is rad. Looking forward to The Incredibles 2. On the 22nd, we have Jurassic World 2 or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, I've seen about four trailers for this. Every trailer tells me more about the movie. After watching the one in front of Infinity War, I think I've seen the whole film. Yes. So. Same. Great, I guess. I, I It's so odd the way they kind of breadcrumb the movie to you. And now, yeah, I think I just know the whole thing. I know exactly what happens in it from start to finish. I guess I'm excited about it. What, what do you think? Um, if we didn't have this show, I wouldn't go see it because <laughs> I I didn't I didn't like the first Jurassic World. I yeah. thought it was just a huge cash. Did grab. you really? Oh God, we never talked about that. I hated the first Jurassic World. Perfect. Well, we're, we're in good company. So good, yeah. So we can hate on it during uh, that episode. If you love Jurassic World, please write in and tell us why. We'll talk. We'll read it on the air. I'll talk about it. I I, I will die on the hill that it's Jurassic World and and why that movie was not great. But a lot of people liked it, and it's a very divided opinion. I think. Last thing in June, a movie you're very excited about, I need to get more excited about, Sicario 2, or Sicario Day of the Soldado, which I'm a little pessimistic about, A, because I never finished the first film, and I'm bummed because it's not on Amazon Prime anymore, (laughs) so now I gotta rent it, but it's fine. Uh, B, because it doesn't have Denis Villeneuve directing it, who is my love. (laughs) <laughs> my new favorite director um he's also, a new chris nolan i also did blade runner hey i'd I love me some chris nolan uh love me some david david uh oh god i forgot the name of my favorite director uh the guy who did fight club love me fincher. david fincher oh, i got caught up in the villain new hype i can't get over it uh yeah. and and it also c does not feature emily blunt the main protagonist from the first one was sicario ever supposed to have a sequel um, no, I mean, it, it's a standalone film. Like I was talking earlier, right. it is an open and shut thing. And and the whole thing is about um, the changes that Emily Blunt's character goes through through that um, film. Yeah. And then, I mean, I'm pretty sure the trailer says like the next chapter and the Sicario saga or something. Like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think they have a trilogy. For, I think they have a trilogy right. planned. Which don't get me wrong. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. This trailer comes correct. It does look cool. The action looks slick. It's got cool music. Like I, I, I'm into it. I'm just a little skeptical about the whole thing. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's good. It's it looks good. I'm definitely gonna go see it. Um, you know, it centers and it's gonna center more on Benicio del Toro's character. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it'll be good. The thing is, you know, Villeneuve, just like he did in, in Blade Runner 2049, he deals with lots of you know deep and philosophical questions, and I don't think we're gonna get that level of depth in the new movie. No, it does look a little bit more action-centric. It's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit more bombastic, I think. But hopefully there's a little something to it. I'm a little wary of this weird subplot in the trailer that looks like Benicio Del Toro has to deal with this little girl. And, and honestly, after watching Logan, I don't know if any movie can do that as well. <laughs> it's um, an escort mission. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's what it looks like. Oh, look, Benicio Del Toro is on an escort mission. Great, you know. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see how it pans out, I guess. I think that about wraps June. There's some other stuff in there, but for the most part, those are the hits plus some. Sorry it took me so long. Let's move to July. Okay, so uh, July kicks off with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ah, um, yes. So that's Ant-Man when we get, and the Wasp. So that's when we get the first uh, Marvel movie, I guess, aside from Deadpool. Because Deadpool doesn't really exist in the same universe as Infinity War, I don't think. And I kind of love that about it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I really like the first Ant-Man. It's really funny, and it, it's really unique. Like, when, when, you, when you see it... 
it's edited like crazy and it's it has a completely different feel michael pena's in it who i always say will play me in a film if we <laughs> if we if i ever get a biopic um <laughs> off script coming soon soon to a theater yeah. yeah uh so i mean i i enjoyed the first one the, the the plot was a little generic but there are some i mean there are some hilarious gags really? it's, it's some humor that really stands out even for marvel i need to check it out because we'll probably watch it for this show right i mean we'll probably yeah go see ant-man too i never saw the first one and the first one was always one that i never saw and people told me just like dr strange you don't have to see it but it's got a unique something it's got its own kind of identity it feels like its own thing and like that's important um so i'm interested yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, and people thought this, if any Marvel movie fails, it's going to be this one, right. and it and it completely didn't. It, right. it was a big success. Yeah. Um, the next thing uh, that same week is The First Purge. Ooh, yes. And the reason I, I mention this is because the Purge series has been very successful financially, mm -hmm. and so they've made a third one, and this is actually, I think, a prequel because it's about the very first uh, purge ever. Right. Starring Marissa Tomei. Um, oh, no. I, yeah. Oscar winner. Oscar winner. Yes. I, uh, man, every purge movie that comes out, I look at the trailer and I roll my eyes and I'm like, how does it somehow look cheaper and crappier than the last one? The budget looks lower. It looks worse. And I feel the same way about this one. But every time I'm relatively entertained, I'll see a Purge movie and be like, okay, there was stuff in there that was cool. They've got these unique little set pieces they kind of hit with like people with creepy masks or yeah. like machetes or chainsaws. Like there's always something in there that's visually striking, that looks cool. Like there's always something something engaging um, that kind of hooks me. Um, so I don't know. I Yeah, that that's the Purge for me. What do you, What do you think? Okay. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and move move on. Fair um, enough. So I'll, if we watch it for the show, I'll, I'll see yeah. it. But uh, I, I generally yeah. kind of skip it. Fair enough. Um, okay. So next week after that is a little strange. We have kind of a good mix. We have Hotel Transylvania 3, mm. Skyscraper, which is the Dwayne Johnson uh, disaster <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, Die Hard Light. Right. And yeah. then uh, The Nun, which is, uh, I think, part of the Conjuring universe. And a comedy that I'm a little interested in called Eighth Grade uh, – Directed by Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I, I, that movie has caught my eye. It's one I would totally normally skip, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah, and I, he, he was on the A twenty four podcast uh, that, that came out last month, and and he discussed this and some other things. And yeah, it, it looks uh, unique and really funny, and it's about uh, an eighth grade girl and girl in middle school dealing with middle school problems and apparently it's very endearing and very funny and very good yeah it looks like a movie that's going to depress me <laughs> it looks like it just yeah it looks like the story of this girl who is yeah constantly bogged down by like the pressures of the world around her and society and what they expect a young girl to be and like it just looks stressful and I, but i mean that's some of the best cinema comes out of stuff like that some of the boldest cinema the bold, yeah right okay so and the next week uh week of july 20th we get mama mia here we go again which is a sequel to oh, the first mama no, mia here we don't go again yeah i'm please i didn't see the again. first one and i'm a big fan of, of movie mu musicals um oh me I, too sure but i did not see the first one i'm not excited about this um denzel washington's the equalizer 2 <laughs> uh which i didn't see the first one <laughs> Either. Also missed the first one. Had a cool poster of it in my dorm room for some reason. I'd <laughs> I'd found one like in a trash can somewhere, and I was like, "Yeah, the Equalizer. Why not?" Like, never saw it. I have no idea if it's any good. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of a mad week. After that, uh, we get Mission Impossible Fallout. Man, the ad budget for that movie is insane. I feel like I've seen ads for that in front of every movie we've seen. It's on TV. It I mean, runs since in front of the YouTube Super Bowl. videos. Yeah, like it is, and it's always. It's always the same trailer, which is starting to hurt a little bit, but like they really want people to go see this movie. I've seen that bathroom fight scene <laughs> with Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise so many times, and I'm still excited to see it, I, I don't guess. Know. It looks so good, though. It does look really cool. Yeah, they got the cool music and like a helicopter thing. Like, I don't know. What, what, are you excited for it? I'm a big fan of the Mission Impossible series. I almost feel like it's the American version of James Bond at this point. It's got to be. It's got the closest we've got, I think. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I've seen all of the other ones. Uh, Rogue Nation and Ghost Protocol uh, were very good. Uh, I really love Ghost Protocol. Um, yeah, I mean, it just it looks really awesome. A lot of great action scenes. You get to see Henry Cavill with an American accent, um, you know, beating up bad guys. And, you know, I mean, maybe he's, you know, there's talk of 
who's going to be the next Ethan Hunt because Tom Cruise is like in his mid fifties now. Yeah, man. I, I've read things that say they like digitally de-age him in scenes and like go in and CGI wrinkles off his face. I don't know if that's true or not, but honestly, I wouldn't put it past him because in his fifties, I mean, come on, how long is he going to keep doing it? Yeah. There, there was talk of Jeremy Renner maybe taking over for him, but that kind of has fallen by the wayside, but you know, maybe Henry Cavill's the man to do it, man. I would love to talk about Jeremy Renner. We talked about this before the show and I'd love to have a deeper conversation about it, but Really quick, because there's really not a whole much deeper conversation to have. What's going on with that guy? He was supposed to take over the Bourne movies. He made the Bourne Legacy, and then Matt Damon came back and made another one, and I haven't seen him since. He was supposed to take over Mission Impossible. He did two of those, and he's not in the new one. And I, I mean, he doesn't make a whole—he doesn't make a lot of waves in the new Avengers. I'll say without getting too spoilery. Um, what's going on? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, where's Jeremy Renner? He's a great actor, and he's shown versatility. I mean, he was in uh, The Hurt Locker, you know. Love with, that movie. With one best picture. Yeah. And, you know, he's been in these action films. He's in Tag. That's his big summer. Tag is his big movie. Yep. So, yeah, I don't I don't really know. I mean, he's Hawkeye. That's cool, Yeah, I kind of. I but, guess. like, he wasn't even really in... Well, he was in Civil War, right? Yeah. Which one? Age of Ultron? He was one, there was one he basically wasn't in. I mean, he's... Yeah, he's, he's kind of forgettable. He's kind of forgettable. Yeah, and, like, I it bums me out. Like, he was supposed to be the next hot thing. And, like, it seems like he's just been getting the shaft every, every which way. He was also in Arrival in 2016. I mean, that was a big one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I didn't see, which we should talk about later. But either way, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's particularly... Bad actor. He was on his way to stardom, and then something happened. I don't know. Well, it, again, the, the Mission Impossible thing doesn't help that Tom Cruise was like, actually, you know what? I want to make more of these. Like, that that does kind of hurt. I, I get why he's kind of backed off since. But, like, Simon Pegg's in every one of those movies. He's all about it. He can't wait to be in another one of those movies. So I don't know what Jeremy Renner's issue is, but uh, I guess he was caught up filming Tag, um, which you'll notice I left off the June list. That was in there. <laughs> I didn't talk about it. Tag, um, starring Jeremy Renner and John Hamm. Mm. Uh I guess that wraps. So that's the summer. Yes, the summer. There's a lot coming out. Honestly, I, I've got a lot, we've got a lot to look forward to on the show. Uh, for some of those slow weeks, I don't know what we're gonna do, but um, streaming, <laughs> streaming, right? For a week for like Sicario, I wouldn't mind like working the first one and do like a double feature one and two. Um, for Ant Man, maybe the same thing. I don't, I don't know what we'll kind of match with that, but. I do love the streaming option. Right. I did, I did want to mention, I just remembered this. Yeah. Uh, we, we do want to look at HBO's uh, Fahrenheit 451 that's coming out uh, later in May. That movie looks cool. Yeah. And, and I know some people out there, oh, it's on HBO. Maybe it's not a real. It's fine. It's a movie. All right. Offscript's official opinion is if, it, if, it's on a, if it's on a streaming service, we consider it a film. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, that movie looks cool. Michael B. Jordan. Michael Shannon, who, uh, God, before uh, Shape of Water Christine went and saw that with me. She had never really seen Michael Shannon. She's like, God, that guy is evil. I'm like, oh, I love me some Michael Shannon. Yeah, every, bad, every movie. Bad guy Michael Shannon's the greatest. Like, oh, he's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> Zod. Yep. Uh, Nocturnal Animals. Yep. Oh, man. I told her, I was the like, you Ice should man. watch Nocturnal Animals, man. Like, Michael Shannon's great in that movie. Oh, man, he's awesome. Um, Iceman, he's pretty cool. I had never really seen him before that. It was the first one I'd really seen a lot of Michael Shannon. Um, Michael Shannon's great. But we should move on to our last film of episode 20. This came out in 2017. It was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards. Didn't win, but it was nominated. And that's worth something because it's an honor just to be nominated. The movie is The Big Sick. I'm looking for Emily Gardner. She was checked in tonight. There's an infection. We put her in a medically induced coma. Coma. You should call her family. Starring Kumal Nanjani and Emily V. Gordon. Actually, I'm sorry. It's based on Emily V. Gordon's life with Kumal Nanjani. Uh, let me just get through the description. <laughs> based on the real-life courtship of Kumal and Emily, the big sick tells the story of an aspiring comedian, Kumal, who's connect who connects with a grad student after a stand-up set. Um, they start with a one-night stand. Things kind of blossom into a bigger relationship. Then things kind of go south. Right then, uh, Emily gets sick with this mysterious illness, and then Kumal is suddenly thrust into a position of having to deal with Emily's parents, who he's never met, and struggle with his own feelings, and also juggle his relationship with his very... Traditional. Culturally rich. Yeah, traditional family. Um, it's this really clever blend of culture clash and romance and comedy. Um, that I really enjoyed, and, and, and I think it's got a lot of heart. Andy, what did you think of The Big Sick? Um, so I really liked it, and one of the first things I thought about is how last week we talked about 
um, Super Troopers 2 and kind of the, the lack of any kind of like real plot mm-hmm. or narrative. And this is the opposite. We get a comedy that's really funny, but that has a lot of heart that deals with, you know, some serious adult issues. Um, you know, nothing too heavy, but, you know, thing, themes of family, of tradition, of chasing your own dreams, of your relationships and with your parents as well as significant others. There's a lot in there. Um, so it had a lot of heart and it was really funny and uh, really uplifting. Yeah, I, I my biggest issues that come with it are in its uh, kind of presentation of a based on a true story because it's played by well, it's written specifically by the two people who the story is based on, and one of the people plays themselves. It was surprising that uh, Emily 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 V. Gordon, played by Zoe Kazan in this movie, didn't play herself as well. But I guess she's not an actress traditionally, so they thought it'd probably just be best if somebody else did it. A little disillusioning at the end of the movie to find out that it wasn't her, but <laughs> it's fine. Um, You're heartbroken. Yeah, here's... I enjoyed it. Let's start there. Uh, I liked it. I, I would recommend it to people, um, and we'll get to recommendations at the end. Spoiler alert. Um, but I, my issues with this come from a creative writing class I took in college. Hear me out. Uh, I wrote this short story once for this class that I thought was really, like well put together and, and I liked it and it, it was based on like it, it was centered around this character who's in college going to film school and his roommate who had a drinking issue and it turned out my 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 professor saw right through it he's like you wrote this based on your own life I was like yeah and he's like and this is something that actually happened to you I was like pretty much he's like so this is based on true stories yeah and he's like you lost the point you the issue is like you wrote this with some kind of personal connection to it and that's great but that's not exactly a compelling story just because it means something to you doesn't mean something doesn't mean it means something to the rest of the world. And this movie doesn't necessarily do that, but there's parts at the beginning and the end that it didn't really need. The core of the story I felt like was best put around Kumal and his relationship with his parents and kind of the foil in trying to deal with and get to know the new parents, Emily's parents, while she wasn't there to help kind of grease those wheels. Um, that I think is the most compelling part of this story. Um, the, the parts with like them hooking up and getting together and the relationship, like that was good at the beginning, but then they kind of tacked some of it on towards the end and like this will they, won't they? And, and like, that's where I felt like it kind of struggled. That's where I felt like the movie kind of lost me because it, it felt a little less like, oh, we're telling this because it's a really important part of this story we're crafting and more we're telling this because it really happened to us and and look how great our lives turned out. And like for the sake of the story, you almost don't need it. That's that's one of those that's one of those things that would be left out of the campfire tale. You know, that's one of those details that wouldn't necessarily need to be there. And it's not that it was bad for it. It was just a little disillusioning for me. It was tough for me to kind of break out of that. And those were the moments when I wasn't able to suspend my disbelief and felt like, okay, I I see right through this. This is two people writing this because they love each other and they want to tell people about this great thing that happened to them. And not this is somebody or two people writing a compelling tale to bring people in like the, the the motivations felt wrong i guess it was it was less for the movie and more for like themselves and and i struggled there right <laughs> sorry excuse my five minute rant what, what did you think <laughs> um well i agree with, with what you said that the most interesting parts are actually when uh emily uh falls ill i mean and she's in, in a coma for the majority of, of the movie mm-hmm. which is strange for something that's kind of a romantic comedy yeah um and the heart of it is him having to deal with her parents who are not a fan of him initially and him having to deal with uh, the struggles of his own parents who in a, in a very pretty funny uh, setup, they keep bringing um, women over to meet him because they come from a tradition of arranged marriages. Yes. And so they keep bringing these, these women and it's, it's so <laughs> it's funny and sad because they keep trying to learn things that he likes. Like the X, there's this running gag about the X files and mm-hmm. how they watched them. And one girl, <laughs> one woman's upset. She's like, I watched the whole series and <laughs> watch that whole stupid show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so the, that's the, the core of the story. Like him, ha- him having to kind of, you know, be in conflict with his parents' traditions or his parents' aspirations for him. Mm-hmm. Him having to deal with his his uh, significant other's parents' 
disapproval initially and having to kind of win them over and and deal with with that kind of relationship right and again to be fair like i did enjoy this movie i'm being nitpicky like i there was a lot of it that i really liked and it felt so unique and original and it felt very true to life these characters have realistic flaws they're not super like egg you know they're not su- i was gonna say eggshell i don't know what that means but they're they're not like they're, they're not run of the mill like there, there's this kind of central core argument these this conflict these characters face face uh emily and kumal between each other um they, they kind of get into a fight at one point and like they they both have flaws. I'd like to be able to say, oh, well, Emily was totally wrong and Kumal was in the right. But, like, that's not true. Even though the movie does mostly center around Kumal because Emily is out, basically <laughs> out cold for a good portion of it. You don't really see her. Um, he still has problems. Like, they, they're both very human characters. And, like, that felt really relatable. That they both... They both see things from different angles, but they're both kind of right, and, and you can kind of get behind both of them in a way. I did favor one over the other. Again, one of them is out cold for a good chunk of the movie, <laughs> so it kind of centers around them, which I think is why I lean that way. Um, but for the most part, like I felt like both the characters had pretty good representation, and I really enjoyed the writing of the parents because it felt very organic and real, which, again, ties into the based on a true story part. It, it felt very just natural. So yeah, right. And it yeah, again, I'm going to keep referencing uh, Super Troopers too. Oh yeah, you know, weird la- movie to reference, but fair. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, lack of character development, lack of plot development, and that's what we get a lot of this. We see um, Kumal um, change through throughout the course. We see him kind of see the thing, the his own flaws that he needs to kind of change and overcome, and also some things that he doesn't need to change, but needs to kind of stand up for. Something that was disillusioning for me, um, despite all of the things I get from the base on true story, are the things that would lead me to, to be unable to suspend, suspend my disbelief because it's based on a true story. Like at the beginning, Kumal, as at a stand-up set, hangs out with uh, one of the women who is currently on SNL and Bo Burnham, of all people. And I couldn't help but wonder, I'm like, did you actually hang out with them or were you hanging out with two other comedians and they're just kind of standing in for them? Did you actually hang out at that bar or was it like some other one? Was that guy really your roommate? Like those questions come up and it was yeah. difficult for me to kind of get over it. And I shouldn't look at it that way, but that didn't help that I follow Kumal Nanjani on Twitter. So that, that does mm-hmm. kind of hurt my, hurt my chances. But um, that stuff kind of bogged me down in a weird way. And it shouldn't have, I know, I know Christine hadn't really read in this movie to her. That was like pleasantries and felt very organic, but I struggled with that. And I didn't know if you had that problem. Uh, no, not not too much. I mean, I kind of bought bought into all of it. Um, I also wanted to touch on that uh, Ray Romano and Holly Hunter, uh, who play the parents, um, are excellent. Um, Holly Hunter's character is like a firecracker, and mm. she's really good in her role. Um, and I haven't seen Ray Romano in anything in a long time, and he's he's excellent in this as well. Yeah, really good. I was really surprised by Ray Romano in this movie. Holly Hunter, I think I know, can she, she can hold water. Ray Romano, though, everybody knows him from, of course, Everybody Loves Raymond, which turns out, spoiler alert, everybody did not love. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I gotta go for the easy joke on, on Ray Romano. Um, he's really good. Surprisingly good in this movie. Like, really, just kind of this down-to-earth father character that felt very natural. Um, same with Holly Hunter. The, the, her mother character was really engaging and, and just felt very organic. It's, it's like, that's that's how a mom would be. That's how a dad would be. I get it. I get how these two people kind of shaped the person that Emily became or becomes uh, in the movie. It all just feels very like, I don't know, it's like hopscotch. One, two, three. Perfect. Makes sense. Yep. I get that, which would lead to that. And of course, I understand that this would happen following that. It felt very natural. And you don't get that a whole lot in movies. For sure. So yeah. Regarding the big sick, I guess... Um, Andy, would you recommend The Big Sick? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would as well. Uh, the Big Sick is available on Amazon Prime. Oh, one more thing I didn't want to talk about. Felt a little long. That's just me. I, I, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I, like we talked about with Infinity War, arguably every movie you could say felt a little long. Um, I, it's difficult for me to describe why this one felt long. I I, I don't know. It, it almost it didn't have like a Return of the King kind of thing at the end, but like it reminded me of like Girl with Dragon Tattoo, David Fincher's Girl with Dragon Tattoo. Um that it kind of gets to where I felt like it should end. And then it kind of kept going and I was like, okay, when's, where's this going? And soon <laughs> after, but like it's, it's kind of that false ending, which is weird, but uh, it's available on Amazon prime. If you've got it, 
check it out. They're on the watch list. It, it is worth your time, I think. Sit down and watch it with a significant other if you can. They'll probably enjoy it. And that's the big sick, I guess. So, Andy, um, now that we're at the end of this, what uh, what are we watching next week? Okay, so since it's a little bit of a slow week um, because Infinity War came out early, um, we're going to be looking at Lynn Ramsey's You Were Never Really Here starring Joaquin Phoenix. I'm excited for this movie, and I don't really know why because I don't know a lot about it, and I guess that's why I'm excited for it. I've heard nothing but good things. It's not available to see at a lot of mainstream theaters, right? It's kind of no. hard to find. It's our, And it's already come out in the UK. Oh, okay. Gotcha. For all our UK listeners. For all of our UK listeners. Hey, got some, we got some love across the pond. All right. I wouldn't put it past them. Um, I'm excited to see it. I don't know where I'm going to see it, but I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. So, yeah, you were never really here. Look forward to us talking about that. We're also going to talk about, I think, <laughs> it's like multiple choice on the rundown. <laughs> uh, Whatever you say, I'll go Yeah, with it. we've got The Hurt Locker. We've got Insomnia. And I was talking about Arrival starring... Jeremy, two of these are Jeremy Renner movies. How did that Look happen? That. Uh, I don't know which one we're going to talk about, so stay tuned, I guess. I, I'm i leaning towards Arrival or Insomnia only because I haven't seen those. I wrote a paper about the Hurt Locker once. Funny story. Um, but before I get to that, which one would you rather see? Do you have a preference? Um, you know, I think I'd like to revisit Arrival. Let's watch Arrival. All right. Let's check out Arrival. Okay, so we're going to check out You Were Never Really Here and Denis Villeneuve. God, I love that man. Arrival. That's yeah. that's which, what we're going to say. Which is now uh, on Amazon Prime starting uh, May 1st. Amazon Prime as well, and that'll be good stuff. Uh, the Hurt Locker story. Yeah, real quick. Uh, I was in school, film school. It was one of my last film classes, and at the end of this semester, we had a few weeks to write our last like paper. So this was like the last big film paper I needed to write for the semester. It was like senior year. Um, it's a big deal. And I, I had been doing well up to that point, but I was kind of to a point where if I failed a class, I'd be in, be in some trouble. So I was like, need, need to pass things. And we get to the last day of the semester and I go to, and I go to class and, uh, we'd had another class after, but that one was like finals week. So that one wasn't happening or something. Uh, and I was under the impression we were supposed to turn in our paper the day of the final. And so I walked into class like 15 minutes late. We were watching a movie, and so it was a screening, so I just snuck in the back, and somebody asked me, hey, dude, uh, did you turn in your, your paper yet for the class? And I was like, oh, no, it's not due till next week. He's like, no, it's definitely due today. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, due today. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not. He's like, yeah, it is. I was like, I thought it was due the day of the final. He's like, no, it's due today. I was like, oh. So I walk outside. My hands start shaking. I uh, go 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 digging through my bag and find the, find the sheet with the assignment. I'm sure enough, do today. I was like, oh my god! So I panicked. Immediately, ran down to the coffee shop where my sister works. There's a big coward, and I was like, oh my god, Tara, what do I do? <laughs> She's like, relax, email the professor, see what you can do, figure something out. I was like, should I make an excuse? She's like, absolutely. It was a freeze that day. It was real cold. So I emailed my professor and said, hey, couldn't make it to class. My engine block froze up or something. Uh, my gas froze. Yeah, my gas froze. That's right. What do I do? And my professor emailed me back after class. Totally not a problem. Uh, email me the paper. Great. So then I ran to the library and immediately rattled off the fastest film paper I've ever written. Five pages on The Hurt Locker, a movie I hadn't seen in like six years. Uh, I did it off the Wikipedia page and the IMDb page. I wrote analysis about how the Hurt Locker is representative of like the Christ figure in film or something. I don't even remember. Wow. <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> what so <a> absurd. <laughs> yeah, uh, got a B. Totally worked out. So that was my story on the Hurt Locker. Maybe someday we'll watch it and talk about it. But I am looking forward to Jeremy Renner in Arrival. So. That being said, that's our show. If you want to get involved with what we're doing, check us out at offscriptfilmreview.com and email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. I'm going to be desperate and plug our Facebook pages. We are on Facebook at Offscript Film Review. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, at Offscript Film Review <laughs> on Facebook. On Twitter, we are Offscript Film. Off, uh, yes. Offscript Film. I I, it's different right. on Twitter. I should have got it before I just started talking about it, but it's too late. I'm in too deep. For episode 20, this has been Off Script, the home of Bold Cinema. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.